Welcome to All About the Experiences, the podcast that has no limits, hosted by me, Cheryl Rogers. My mother always said, live your life to the fullest, baby. Well, I'm here to do just that. This podcast is dedicated to sharing what inspires me personally and professionally. I have become a trusted name among top professionals in many industries. All About the Experiences is now your source for weekly inspiration, diverse points of view, and insights rooted in positivity and experiences. Now, join me on this journey. Welcome to All About the Experiences. Today marks my 29th episode. We're rounding the corner to 30, and I'm telling you, this has been a most experiential ride, but also just full of discoveries. And today will be no different. Each guest, they bring something really unique, something inspirational, and quite frankly, very experiential. And I'm excited because what happens for me is, and I just said this off air, but now we're on air, is that I learned something new. I take something from the conversation and something that is relatable and I can apply it to my own life. So you'll see what I'm talking about. I learned so much about myself through this whole journey and I'm looking forward to continuing this process. I would like to thank last week's guest, Ron Anthony Brown Jr. for blessing us. He was so transparent about his journey and about his incarceration and how he changed his life through the arts and through Shakespeare. And I have to tell you, we will see a lot more from Mr. Brown, and I'll be here to want to chronicle it and have him come back on and tell us about all the wonderful things that he's doing. Um, The other thing I wanted to say is that, you know, we have people that come on the platform that are from every walk of life, and the outpouring that I received about each and every episode, but in particular, that one was really inspiring. And it was inspiring for a number of reasons. And I just felt inclined to share this. Um, It spawned a great conversation between my father and I and propelled us into what I would say is a new level of understanding and beyond that, um, embracing each other and supporting each other and more importantly, loving each other. So with that being said, I wanna move on to introducing this week's guest. This week's guest, she wears many hats. She's a singer, she's a a speaker, a composer, a published author. And I have to tell you, she walks with not only style, grace, and class, but she walks in the path of the righteous. And we have a similar upbringing, and I'm sure that that will come out during our conversation, but we're connected. We're connected by some great women that we both had the pleasure of having in our lives. And I look forward to uh, finding out a little bit more, maybe some tidbits that I didn't know about those ladies that I was connected to. But just to give you a little of her background, she was born in Manhattan, raised in Boston, studied piano for a number of years under John Trotman. After completing her piano studies, She worked and performed with John Ross at the Elma Lewis School of Fine Arts. She then moved on to matriculate to Oakwood University. And I have to tell you, 
growing up in a Seventh-day Adventist household, my whole thing was to make my way to Oakway. Now, did I make it there? I did not. But I was inspired by all of the amazing people that came from Oakwood and had the Oakwood experience. So with that being said, I'm lucky that um, I have associated myself with such pristine people, if I would, if I should say so myself. She would later actually return to Oakwood and study theology after beginning her family. Noelette is here to talk to us about her journey through music and ministry, and also how she's taking that journey and applying it to things that you can inspire yourself on a day-to-day -day basis. So without further delay, I would like to bring on to the stage, and, uh, and I have to say this too, when you when you see her come on the stage, you're going to see why I'm so excited, because when I tell you style in class, she's the epitome of it. Noelle, Noelle, sorry, I'm getting so excited. Leader Hutton <laughs> is here with me and all about the experiences. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This is exciting for me. Well, this is truly exciting for me, and I, I, I share with my audience and the listeners um, more often than not, and I think I said this to you, is that I don't like having conversations with my guests, whether I've known you forever or I'm just meeting you, because I want this to be a true self-discovery, and I want to learn about who you are as a person and how you can inspire not only myself, but everyone that's here to listen, so with that being said, I mean, you gave me so many wonderful tidbits and I know that we'll touch on it in this great hour long conversation. So I wanna get right into it. And I'm, I'm, it, this is the girl in me. Tell me about this sense of style because you are absolutely gorgeous and <laughs> I feel a little underdressed today. I was just like, she brought the style and I know that those New York influences are there, so. Well, I'm gonna be honest, since this pandemic, I have gotten very lazy when it comes to style. Um, but I've always been the kind of person that wanted to dress the way I wanted to. So I loved to look in fashion magazines and all that, but I was never influenced by them, except, you know, basic things, but it was always what I felt comfortable in and what I like to look at. So I never, you know, when you hear women, a lot of times they'll say they'll dress for their husband or their boyfriends or this club or that club. And I was never like that. It was like, here I am, this is what I'm wearing. And be, be yes, I am. Yeah, be okay with it. <laughs> I love it. And you know what, when you said that, it kind of just made me think it triggers something in the sense that when you're confident and you're comfortable no matter what you have on and the style that you're bringing and you're not worried about anybody else, that level of confidence supersedes everything and people see that. When you walk in a room and you go, as soon as I brought you on and I saw you, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm loving this. I'm getting all the vibes <laughs> for sure. You know what I've heard? Confidence is sexy. You know, so many women are so impacted by what other people think about them or what other women are wearing that may have their body type or, you know, right. whatever, but you have to do you and you have to be you. And I think I could be wrong, but that's what men like. That's what men are attracted to. And I don't think that you have to be naked 
in order to get that. And this is, it's not about religion or culture. I just feel like you show somebody who you are from the inside mm. and take care of your outside. I'm not trying to dismiss that. Right. But some things don't have to be seen in order for you to look gorgeous. Absolutely. I love that you said that. I know that there are a myriad of different young ladies that are listening to us. And I think that's really important. It's something that I definitely share with my daughter and my nieces. And um, my my mom and my aunt shared that with me. So sometimes, I mean, despite the fact that I kind of have on a see-through blouse, but you know, you know what I mean? You, you, yes, what absolutely. I mean, it's how you carry yourself. But it's you how you I mean. carry yourself. Yes. And I'll tell you the truth. In all my younger years, I don't know what can happen now, but I've never not had a guy that wanted to be with me, even if, I, you know, even if I- Say that again, I love I, it. Really, I, I, I never wanted for a man, mm-hmm. you know, because I think men are attracted to women who have confidence. Absolutely, absolutely. I would have to, I, I second that. I would have to agree with you on that. Well, let me just ask you, I mean, you obviously exude confidence and I mean, just from the be- the brief um, bio that I gave and it was very um, brief, but I wanna get into that. I mean, you started, you got your start obviously on the East Coast, uh, born and raised. So tell me about what that experience was like. You know, I, um, it's, it's interesting when I was just a little girl and living in Manhattan and my mother was actually sick while she was carrying me. And they told Mm -hmm. her actually not to even have me. She had tuberculosis. And so that was one of those diseases back then that was almost like cancer. They didn't really have all the answers to it, but she had me and she was very vivacious. She was excited about life. And she shared that with me, you know, she helped, helped, uh, helped me feel that, that joy of life, she and my father. And, um, you know, I always tell people they used to bring, um, oh my goodness, I can't think of his name right now. And he'd come to my house and play the piano and um, just, just exciting. Uh, and, and I grew from that. My mother sang, my father sang, um that wasn't their necessary profession but they loved it and they were good at it you know and then when she died we moved to uh boston because my grandfather had built a church school there and so they wanted us to go there and so i stayed with my grandmother who also was an opera singer so we've kind of just that's kind of my basis my my life and and it's the thing that really got me through a lot of hard times, a lot of sadness, mm. but even, even my good times. It was just something that I felt inclined to do. And, you know, that was it for me to do the music. You know, I've heard someone say um, before that's been on the podcast and they were like, music is like food and water you know, it's, it's something that you use to sustain yourself. Like when you're sad, when you're happy, when you're kind of just in that mood where you might just need a little pick me up when it also transports you to an experience that you had, because somehow in the background, there's always something playing, right? Absolutely. Whether it's 
music or the sounds of nature or just something. It could be the hum of the refrigerator, but it's something, it's the sound that transports you. And um, you said something very pointed because when I think now in terms of music, I remember when I was in um, school, I went to Golden Gate Academy and school was a part of our curriculum. And it was very much, whether you were inclined towards it, and everybody knows in my family, I cannot sing, but I'll be the first one up there to try to sing. But, um, <laughs> but what I loved, it was encouraged. I was encouraged to play the piano. I was encouraged to try new instrument, instruments. But what I loved is that it was there and it was an outlet. And that's mm -hmm. what it sounds like you said music has been for you is truly an outlet. Yeah, and it's been having lost my mother, particularly, and my father wasn't always at, in the home. Mm -hmm. It was a source of comfort for me. And I learned early how to pray. And prayer was a source of comfort for me. I believed that I was God's child. Absolutely. You know, and so with along with the music and uh it was every kind of music. I remember my uncle used to say I was the only person he knew that could in one hour listen to five different genres of music. We used <laughs> to have a record player and I would come home from school, you know, do my homework. And then I would sit in my chair with a large back and I would have on Bobby Gentry, Phoebe Snow, Herbie Hancock, Nina Simone, um, and Tennessee Ernie Ford. <laughs> What? <laughs> so you were, you really ran the gamut there for sure. Wow. Yep. And, and, you know, Andre Crouch and Edwin Hawkins, and I would have them all, there'd be like seven, uh, seven albums on the little, on the turntable and then just go one after the other. He would say, okay, what is it that you like? What kind of, every time I come up the stairs, I'm hearing a different kind of music. I love that though. And I'm sure, I mean, the, the church influenced a lot of your musical choices in the way of um, when you mentioned Edwin Hawkins and I can remember um, who, and I guess I should say this, I always say this, I, I love to share what my connection is. And obviously um, we, we share a lot of things in common, but one of the things that we definitely share in common were my mom and my aunt's um, and I have to give shout out to them. Uh, Absolutely. Rest in, rest in heaven to my mom, um, Jean Lindy, and also to my aunt, Cheryl Rutley. But um, we have my aunt, Lorraine Myers, and you all are very dear friends. You went to college together like two years ago. And so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, we'll stick to that one. <laughs> we'll stick to that. But um, I always like to share where there's a connection, you know, and um I'm very influenced. I, I start off with saying this, I think off um, camera and now on, I'm influenced by not only um, the people in my life specifically, but the women in my life, you know, um, as a young woman coming up, you want to fashion yourself, if you will, after um, other women, especially women that are doing things and um, have a, a certain walk. And I think you even start off with saying this, it's confidence is sexy. Well, I'm definitely, I can tell you the women in my family, they have, they exude confidence for sure, Absolutely. but they do it in such a way that it's not overbearing. And, um, 
you know, they are very keen on making sure that those connections that you make with people are genuine and um, much like this one. Um, from the moment you came up on the screen, I was just like, this is going to be amazing. I, I just <laughs> felt it, you know, like my, like my daughter would say all the vibes for me, all the vibes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes. Well, let me, let me tell you, you know, I met Lorraine as a freshman at Oakwood and being from, you know, I don't know what they do now, but, you know, depending on where you're from, you kind of stick with that group of people. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we heard so much about the California girls and the California girls, but they, for me, I used to think that they just, there was just something about them that was not just mm-hmm. feminine, but very gracious, mm-hmm. you know? And, uh, you know, of course I had my East Coast friends and, and I, you can, you could see a vast difference. For sure. Yes. But being at Oakwood helps you, especially when you're living with people day in and day out, it helps you get a clearer understanding. It helps uh, dissuade some of the opinions that you did have mm-hmm. that were not true. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, if, when I think about Cheryl, when I think about Lorraine, and I can only say it would have to be your mom too. This two words, class and grace, mm. you know, beyond their physical beauty, class and grace. And um, it, it's funny because I'm a very upfront person, you know, because of my music and because of my mm-hmm. mouth, um, which wasn't always. <laughs> it has a little to do with it, huh? A little crazy, yeah. But they, they always were you know, very supportive. Um, They weren't women that were so insecure that they had to envy other people. Mm -hmm. They were just women who really pushed you on. They knew what they could do. They were appreciative of what they could do. And yet they pushed their friends. Mm -hmm. You know, they they wanted to make sure that that we were okay. Like I said um, to you before, after I finished my book, I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't have a clue. And I told my girls uh, uh, just a few weeks ago or whenever, and I said, listen, I don't know what I'm doing. Help. I need help. And Lorraine said, okay, I'm getting off this conversation. Uh, Hold on. And then she called you, you know, and she set it up and I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh yeah. (laughs) And that's, that's who they are. That's, That's who, who she is. Are. That's exactly who she is. And, and you have to meet the rest of the divas because this is who they are. <laughs> absolutely. Who doesn't need a diva in their life? Let me just say absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And we have, of course, we have people outside of that circle too. And it's, it's amazing. And, you know, when we post pictures, I hear feedback all the time. So many women are saying, I wish I had a group like that. You know, I Mm. wish I had a group like that. And all women need that. All people need that. But women, particularly because our responsibilities in our homes and in our communities are vast. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I even um, said this to you um, when my um, Aunt Lorraine was doing one of her book, uh, book retreats, uh, book club retreats. And I was so excited because I was finally old enough, even though I was married and with, ch- with children, I was <laughs> able to go ahead and attend. And 
it was not only just because I, you know, just absolutely honored how she moved in her circle of friends and um, how literacy um, was so important. And, you know, for all of us growing up, and a lot of people don't know this, is that I had dyslexia growing up, but it wasn't diagnosed until I was in high school. And it was so crazy because the struggle is real. They're looking at this young woman who obviously can articulate, but then it wasn't coming across when you looked at test scores and me reading and those things. And so Mm. my aunt was always very instrumental in really promoting us to read and um, to create a safe space you know, and realizing that it's okay if you're not on the same reading level as others. And once I got into high school and that was diagnosed, it was just like it, the doors just opened for me, you know. Um, But I go back, I digress, I go back to saying about being able to be a part of that group and seeing how women came together. Mm. And obviously over the love of reading, but also to share and um, experience and be able to have a safe space to talk about being a, a wife and a mother and a sister and an aunt and you know being in corporate America or whatever it was we were able to bring to the table. And when in that circle, they embraced me, you couldn't tell me anything. I came back and I said, I gotta have this for my own group of I friends. I know, I am somebody. Yes. <laughs> I am somebody. And um, going back to what you were saying, it's, it's that validation that you get and that reassurance that what you may be going through, you're not the only person and you well, can tap in. That's exactly true. And that is why I even started to write the book. That is why I sing because, you know, I used to sing in a club some years ago called Satchez in Boston. Okay. And, um, I used to see the people come in and they, they would, I'm so grateful. Initially, I was only going to be able to sing on one day because he had never heard me and my manager knew him and he was kind of pushing it. And then once he heard me, he ended up giving me four days and he knew I couldn't work on Friday night. So that was mm-hmm. really not good for a club. So he was like, you know, I can't have this. She's got to be here Friday nights. And I said, well, then I can't get the gig. You know, that's just life. But once he heard me, so I sang on Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday nights and Sunday nights. Okay. But when Saturday night came around and I would sing, I would close out with a church song, with a gospel song. I love and that. I'm telling you, people loved it. They loved it. And a lot of those people started coming to my concerts because they would hear me from the club and then I would do these concerts and they were coming. So we we just never know the impact that we have on people and what the music and and knowing that they're people, you know, you, you work in a club and people come and talk to you mm-hmm. and they're going through some stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's like, but you're not alone. No. Well, if you're going through something, trust me, someone else, someone is, else is going through it. Exactly. Absolutely. I, I think about that often. Um, one of the things that um, I've much like my aunt Cheryl, you know, I had my own battle with cancer and it's like, you know, I was very fortunate to be in this um, great, amazing family full of great supportive women. But it was interesting. One day I was out and about and there was a young lady that was talking and we were talking about hair. I changed my hair all the time. 
And she was just like, you're okay with telling people? I'm just like, hair is an accessory to me. And so she was just like, well, what made you have this attitude towards it? You know, like, and so we got to talking and I shared with her about my cancer diagnosis and, and she was like, oh my goodness, I have to share this with you. And I was just like, share what? And she was just like, my sister is going, and she goes, I, my sister and I are very close, but I don't know how to approach this with her. Can you talk to her about it? I'm like, absolutely, absolutely. And it spawned that connection because she was able to bring me to her sister, but also, it also gave her that kind of leeway where she didn't feel like she was trying to put something on to her sister, but she's like, here, here's someone who's going through something. It's just, and this all started, like, you know how ladies, we get together simply mm -hmm. over a conversation about hair and it was life-changing for her. And you know what's so incredible? There's a story in the Bible about the woman in the well. Mm. And everybody's heard this story, whether you go to church or whether you don't. Right, right. What they don't get and what most people don't hear, because it was, remember, it was a Mideastern mid culture. Right. And so Jesus goes to this well and he already knows what's going to happen. But he sits on the top of the lid of the well because the well was covered and it was covered not just to keep bugs out. It was covered so that those who needed a vessel to put their water in could sit on the top of that well and people would see them. Someone would see them and they knew they were in need. And so we're, you're, you're saying you shared your cancer story. It was a need. You had a need. You had mm. an illness and you conquered, you know? Absolutely. So Jesus met this woman. She came to him and she saw he didn't have anything. And he asked her, can you imagine the, the, the creator of the world asking for help? And really what, what it's saying is when we as Christians want to teach people about the love of God, we're not... If we come to them, I'm, I know everything, I am everything, I have a better this. If we don't come to them in need, I need too. And we're sharing information with one another so that it, it deflects from you now being the superior as right. you both being equal. Equal, equal across, yes. And that's what we all are, we're equal. Mm -hmm. And even if I might not be going through the same thing you're going through, I'm going through something. Absolutely. If I, I either have gone through something, I'm going through something, or I'm getting ready to go. Getting through ready something. to go through something. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, I want to get into the book because, um, I mean, obviously we've peppered it through our conversation, but I think it's really important for people to understand um, not only what brought you here, because I know that you're, you're wanting to get this out, but tell us what the book is about and the basis of, um, or I shouldn't even say the basis, but what inspired you to even write it? First of all, what inspired me to write a book was my friends reading my blogs or my posts on Facebook. Okay. We're going to back up how I started doing that. Um, I had a group of young women who would come to my house on Sabbath afternoons. They were much younger than me, could have been my daughters. 
And they said, Auntie, you know, you should do a blog. You should have a blog. And of course, I didn't even know what a blog was. Mm. <laughs> so, <laughs> Gotta so, love it. <laughs> and I said, what, what for? What is a blog? And they said, you know, just call it a message to my daughters and just talk to them in the blog like you talk to us. And I really kind of, I thought it was a nice idea. I was very flattered. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, you know, ain't nobody got time for this. The funny thing about it is, I've always journaled and I started journaling. I can't even remember when I have books and books of things that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. But when I went through a divorce and then I lost what I thought was everything because we look at material things and we forget so many other things matter, but I didn't have a place to call my home and I would write my prayers and I wrote my I wrote my prayers because I wanted God to remember them. I wanted him to see them. You're like, <laughs> you know? this is tangible right here. Yeah, this yes. is right here. This is a letter to Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And so I was writing and writing and I found myself in California and these young women were talking to me. And so I started putting it on blogs and I have, you know, my divas were encouraging me. Yeah. And then I had two of my friends from, from uh, D.C., uh, a set of twins who I love dearly, Deborah and Denise. And they said, you know, you need to write this down. And then Beverly, you know, in my group and Janice right. and the two Sharons and Karen, and of course, Lorraine, it was like, listen, write, mm-hmm. write. And then the pandemic came. And before the pandemic, I had been writing all these blogs. But then when the pandemic came, I asked God, what should I do in this situation? Mm. I don't want to sit here and just get fat. I don't want to sit here and not accomplish anything. Right. So I did get fat, but I accomplished it. (laughs) (laughs) I did get fat, but I, um, I accomplished something. So I started taking a class at Harvard because I saw that they were for free. So I was like, why not? You know, and you get certificates and all this. So I took a couple of classes and I took a class from Berkeley and then I took a computer class and I kept taking these classes. And really it was almost an inspiration for me to write and I'm writing and writing and writing. And I had so much information and so much stuff written down that the young lady that I work with, who's like a marketing specialist, she said, Miss Nolet, let's do the book. And so when January came and I realized that, um, no, when December came and I realized that this pandemic was not gonna be gone, like I had thought that it was gonna be gone and I guess everybody else did. And I said, we're going to another year of this. I want people to see what I've written more than just my friends. But the other thing that really impressed me, Cheryl, I did a little research. And when I first posted my first post on Facebook and my blog, one of my friends in France, who was a physician, she said, Noah, you are so on point with this. Mm. Keep doing this because most suicides are committed on Monday mornings. Outside of New Year's Eve, Monday is the day where most people commit suicide. And I could not believe that. That's and I profound. prayed, it's, 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 it's something. And, 
But you know what, Cheryl, this is what I realized. Come Monday mornings when I had no job to go to, I started feeling worthless. Mm. I was like, God, I have an education. Um, I know that I'm in my 60s now, but what do I do? Do do you have any reason for me to be here? Mm. Am I just taking up space? And so I started feeling really broken and worthless. You know, your children are grown. And if you're, you know, if you're divorced or a widow, that's done. You know, you still have your friends, but you have to have a reason, a purpose for living. And if God has given you breath and you're still even breathing at 90, he has a reason for you to be here. And I didn't want to wait till I was 90, you know, or even if I got to 90. So I started writing and I said, I want someone to be encouraged. And if they happen, if the Holy Spirit moves or gets to a place where somebody can see what I'm writing so that they can hold on and they can get that even though you cannot see God, he is with you. And life will tend to make you think that he's not. Even people who go to church, God is with us. And so as I was writing, I was saying to him, I don't really believe this. I believe in the theory of you. I believe in the idea. I know that you've blessed me. I know you've done things that that I can't even question. But I really, I guess because this thing is now too long Mm. and there's a time limit on what we think, how we're supposed to suffer. And that's a lie, (laughs) but we do it. It's true. It's true. It's true. You know, like mm-hmm. three weeks, two weeks of suffering. Okay, I'm gonna be gone with this. And then I've had six enough months now. Come, yeah, it's time. Okay, wait a minute. Whoa, God, where are you? Right, right. You know, and the thing is, all of the broken, the heartache, the disappointment, the loneliness that I experienced, mm-hmm. I put it into my writing. Mm. Okay. And God started lifting me and directing me. And showing me and and even opening doors, you know, so I, I felt like if I could get this book out, if I could just share it, and not, not, not to become a millionaire, I don't think that's going to happen. However, stranger things have happened, you never know. Absolutely. And the thing is, if we do something for the right purpose, Mm. and then put it in God's hands, we have no idea what's going to happen. We really don't. And so that was my motivation for just writing and writing and writing. And I would stay up. Sometimes I'd I'd wake up at one o'clock in the morning and it'd be like, now, you know, I love to sleep. Do not. But it was like, if I'm waking up, God has a reason. Because it was a place on your heart. Right. So right. 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 Write about good things. Write about uncomfortable things. Just write. And I, I have to tell you, I don't really like to say I wrote this book. I like to say the spirit told me what to write and I just, it dictated mm. and I just wrote, you know, because even in my music, I remember a couple of the songs I wrote for my CD and I could, I was writing two different songs simultaneously, totally different melodies words different everything and at one point I would start laughing and I said slow down God slow down I can't write that fast Mm. 
you know? So that was the, that was my need, my desire to, in this pandemic, be able to look back and say, what did you do? With all the means that we have of connecting mm -hmm. with one another, who can you connect to that will make a difference in their life? And who can connect to you that will help you? Mm. And watch what happens. And things actually do happen. They do. We're proof of that right now. Absolutely. We're proof Absolutely. of that right now. Yeah. You know, I um, one of the things that has been very helpful for me um, throughout my life, um, even before I was diagnosed with um, dyslexia, was writing. It's a source of therapy, if you will, because I feel like when you remain with uh, feelings of whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, and they remain bottled up and you're not able either to share them with someone else or to put them on paper, or just be able to communicate that. Some, I mean, more often than not, you have this adverse effect, if you will. And so growing up, um, I've shared, you know, my childhood, I had a, a family that, you know, at one point, my parents uh, divorced, and my dad had a very bad drug problem. And for me, um, I had all of these support systems around me. But what was really important was how I was feeling. And um, my mom was, was saying, she goes, well, honey, your dad did the drugs, you did it. So that's not your problem. And I know what she was trying to do is to make sure mm -hmm. that I didn't wear that or I didn't take it on. Right. But I still felt some kind of way because he was my dad and I loved him and I wanted him to be okay. But then I was also um, hurt and angry and upset because he was no longer in the home and he wasn't as you know, all daddy's promised, they're going to be there to protect you and, you know, see you through the hard times and be there for the fun and the great times. And mm -hmm. so that was really important for me to start. And I'll never forget, um, I guess my mom had gone and uh, tapping into her, her, her divas group. And they said, um, called me by my nickname, Shay Shay, but they were like, Shay Shay needs to get these feelings out. And she's like, I talk to her all the time and we have conversations. And she's, I remember one of the ladies told her, well, maybe these are not conversations she necessarily wants to have with you, but give her something um, to use as that vessel to get those things out. So I'll never forget, we used to go to the bookstore um, right there in Oakland on Park Avenue on Sundays. And I loved reading. And so she was just like, this is different because I opened up the book and I'm like, there's no words in here. She says, you're going to put the words in. Mm. And I was just like, huh? And I was just like, like school, you know? And, I'm, and she's just like, this is an opportunity for you to write about stuff that's not driven by school, but whatever is going on here. And so the first couple of times I wrote in it, it was just random. And that, oh, I like Derek Levingston, you know, stuff like that. I had to throw that shout out. But um, I would write stuff like that, that I felt was somewhat meaningful, but not really. But then my mom asked me, she goes, um, she asked me about my dad one day and I was just like, eh. and she goes, I, I said, I didn't want to talk about it. And she says, well, maybe that's what you should write about. And literally the floodgates opened when I sat mm -hmm. down and put pen to paper and ran out of a journal. And she's like, oh, don't worry, baby. We're going to get you another one. 
And she bought me a whole stack of them. No, leave it to her. She'd go to Costco and buy a stack of everything. But it was really the start for me and really working through a lot of those emotions and dealing with how I was feeling and things that I may not have felt comfortable sharing with her or with one of my girlfriends or, you know, or um, even my little sister who was actually living in the same household and kind of having a shared experience with me. And so um, I say all that to say is that when you write, you're able to convey these thoughts in real time of how Mm -hmm. you're feeling and get that out. But what was really, really experiential and made me come back is when I looked at them a year out and then two years out and saw my growth. And then it also was very telling because it showed me where maybe I hadn't grown and that there were things that I needed to work on. So Absolutely. I don't know if that has been your experience as well, but. You know, I, um, when we lived in Maryland, I went to a bookstore and they had people signing up for a poetry slam. And I wrote a lot of poetry and um, I loved my Angelou. Mm, and I read yes. probably every book she's ever written and I read her books because they were holy and pure and yet she bore her soul with the ugliness of some of the things she had to experience she drew you in and so I went to this poetry slam and most of the women there were bashing men in their poetry And I was like, man, I don't want to do that. I I really want to express something more positive, but yet something that can teach too. And I I looked at the women around me, and most of them, of course, were mothers because of the time of the day that it was. And the winner would get a chance to meet Maya Angelou. Well, I, I, I really didn't. I kind of thought I would win, but then I didn't because so many of those women were really, really good. But I ended up doing a poem. I remember changing the poem that I was going to do. And I did a poem about mothers. And um, it was mother or mother, what have you done to me? And I I see, you know, some of the words were, I see you take your emotions and, and, and eat them away. I see that you're, you're angry and you're not sharing that. That's not the poem, but that's the gist of it. Right. But I won. Wow. And so I got a chance to meet her. And she is as large in life as she is on the written page. And she, you know, to meet her, that's so funny though. I am not a person that gets lost for words. There's only two people I've ever met closely and I'm trying to think that I that I couldn't speak and she was one of them and I I had the opportunity to sit with her 10-15 minutes and I really felt like in my mind I might have been saying something but in my mind I was like duh duh duh." (laughs) I just I (laughs) she's so amazing it's and crazy. the only other person was Quincy Jones when I met him and we were at a dinner together wow. and I'm sitting there and just, I could barely look at him because, you know, it's Quincy Jones. It's Quincy Jones. <laughs> you know, 
don't be stupid. (laughs) Keep your mouth closed. But, um, you know, all kinds of things inspired me. And I wanted to share them with other people like we talked about. But I had a lot of hurts too that I kept to myself. And I didn't know how to say them without hurting someone's feelings, without hurting, you know, I wanted the person that to hurt me, that was hurting me, I wanted them to stop the hurting, but I didn't want to hurt them. Um, So I wrote, you know, I, I wrote feelings to God. I wrote to him because there's a song I sing and it's, um, then your letter, it's, it talks about the day. And then it says, but then your letter caught my eye, brought the hope in me to life. Cause you know me so very well. And I guess you wrote me God to remind me in a little while we'll be with the father. So I, I looked at the Bible, God's word in a different way. It was a letter. It was a book to me, you know? And so I want to write a book to you to others. Here's the book that, that Noelette wrote. She's making it through. And even when the circumstances might not change, the spirit, it's like when Stephen was stoned and I always wondered, was he, was he high? Because, you know, he's looking up praying and, you know, right, praying to right. people and the man is being stoned. Come on. But it was that spirit, that relationship that God sense that that went far beyond any kind of religion this is not about a religion this is about a god feeling a god experience and he could look up and forgive and all that and i wanted to be able to even in my times when everything looked bad i wanted to be able to not fear and you know what cheryl god brought me to that point and sometimes he doesn't change your situation until you get to a point of faith in him so that he can trust you, that you will always have faith in him. So when things happen, when the crap hits the fan, because it does, it does, you know, you, you, you can still have peace. And I'm telling you, I had fear to the point of when I would wake up, I would be mad at God. It would be, why did you wake me up? Why would you do that? And I'm still in this situation. But then I shared that with him and the fear started leaving until some things happened and I wasn't fearful at all. And I was looking for it. Like what happened? Why aren't I afraid? Right. And I had no more fear, you know? And so I've learned how to deal when, when to respond when things happened that I have no control over. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to, you tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You direct me and everything in his word, everything in that letter. And so our books are just supplements almost to that letter. You know, mm-hmm. your God might not talk about cancer in the Bible, but he talks about sickness and right. he talks about how it can be healed and how a positive attitude. And the reality is we know people who have died. We have people who have died, but even there is a comfort in that 
Because number one, the death conquers the pain. Mm -hmm. The death conquers the suffering. suffering. Mm -hmm. And and let's just be real. We are going to see them again. So, you know, you cry because that's normal, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you go, you move forward because you have that peace. And I think the writing, you know, um, being a person who has, this is my first book, but I write a lot of things that are spiritual right but I don't limit myself to people who are not in the same religion gotcha or who are not look you know you don't have to look like me or do the things that I do to impact my life in a positive way mm-hmm. and so when I hear music from other artists that are not me or that are different than me, you know, but it's good. It's rich. You know, I, I, I hear things that, you know, we all have artists that we love and they move us, right. you know, and, and, and authors that like, like, uh, I just, I just met, I just told you about her now, Maya Angelou, Angelou. Yes. Or, 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 or Toni Morrison or, or Michael, Michael, Michael Dyson, you know, right. um, phenomenal and and, you know one of my favorite writers Max Lucado love him very inspirational you know and there's people that we know who are writing and I think what happens is when they see you and I doing something they know that they can do it too absolutely and that's the beauty of all of this yeah because somebody else is going to say you know I have a story too and you do Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might not be the writing that you, you might do it in your art, you know, uh, you might do it in your singing, you might do it in your, any aspect of your life, that's your creativity, mm-hmm. you know, and you can do it and express it and shine in it. And I, I just want all people, but my people and women and children to know that they can shine you know that's that's what I want to do and I want to feel that myself so that I'm not just being pretentious and using words that influence but I'm actually living it you know I love that and I have to say when I think of artists no matter what genre of music it is um for me and I'm looking at like uh, artists that are my children's age and even the music that they're putting out, whether I agree with it or not, is not a true depiction of who they are. It's what they think others want to hear or it's about that lifestyle or whatever the case may be. And what I love is when I see an artist that's living, you know how they say, well, when a rock star lives that rock star life and they're Uh, singing about it but they're also living that life not that necessarily you want it to Mm -hmm. be that but you know what I'm saying they're living in their truth it gives authenticity to what they're putting out there and a means of connection as well so excuse me little tickle but um I appreciate you sharing that um I know that you have children thank you and I, yes. as a mother, I know our children are a source of inspiration. Sometimes a, 
source of a few of the gray hairs that are under here too. But um, <laughs> I say that to say that, you know, um, when I'm thinking of some of my most difficult times in life, especially since I've had children, is they're also my inspiration to keep mm. me going, to keep me pressing forward. And I write a lot about them too. And so um, I know that you start off sharing what your inspiration is. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I wanted to ask, what inspires you when you're up there in front of, <clears throat> excuse me, a bunch of people to continue to sing? Um, first of all, my children. My children are amazing. And I say that because they're almost crazy and they still love me. <laughs> and um, they are both amazing artists in their own right. And they start out my book for me. And what they have written, I, you know, after reading what they wrote, it's like, this is the book, forget what I wrote. When they write their songs, it's like, I don't need to write anymore. That, that's how good they are. And I'm so appreciative of them because we're good friends. We're not, you know, uh, hanging in the street together, even though we do. There's a love that's deep and they're constantly thanking me for the things we used to do when they were children, the things we do now. I'm excited about them and I think they're excited and appreciative of me. Um, but when I get up in front of people to sing, I used to get nervous. I'm not, not nervous now because I'm so used to doing this. But once I realized it wasn't about me, I was good. You know, uh, you know, a lot of times, and, and we do this and we should, you know, you focus on what do I look like? Right. You know, am I going to, but then you get so caught up in that you forget. And especially with religious music, I mean, come on, this is not about you. Get real. Right. <laughs> you know, it ain't about sure. you. It's and so you have you. a message and you want people to get that message, mm -hmm. not you, Right. you know? And so for me, when I sing, I don't really think that I have such a great voice, but I think that I'm a great interpreter of songs. Mm. I think that when people hear me sing, they see what I'm saying. They feel what I'm saying. You know, um, I love the things that I've been taught and, and are able to do and taught myself with my voice. I love that. Um, but I do it. That's the thing. I don't do it because it sounds good. I do it because I feel to do it in the moment. Mm. So it's very rare that I will ever sing a song the same way I sang it, you know, when you might have liked it. So you it's know? a unique experience. Every oh, yeah. Every time. every time it's different yeah. because, you know, it becomes plastic and fake. You can't fake that. You know, sometimes when I sing and I do something that, that catches people, I'm thinking, whoa, 
who did that? Right. You know, like where did this come and from? And then, then you know, it's a spirit. It's a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit moving in you. You know, sometimes when I speak and I'll, I'll like, mm, that's something. It's like I didn't even plan on saying that. You know, so it's different. When I used to sing jazz, I loved it. It was fun, but it was was different. Right. You know, it was just, you know, love songs or, you know, whatever is happening in the world, that kind of thing. And I loved it. I loved the music. Um, but it's just different when you're doing God stuff and God music. And the thing is what a lot of people don't know especially religious people, and we need to stop that. You know, there's, a, there's an artist that is not considered a gospel artist or a Christian artist, and that's Stevie Wonder. If, almost every single one of his songs is spiritual. It truly is. You know, he's got yeah. his hand on some kind of angel or some kind of something, and there, there's mm -hmm. a plethora of musicians like that. If you, if you listen Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The music is, is gut-wrenching and it's, it moves you to becoming, I love Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. You yes. know, it's like- One of my things. Yeah, I, I actually want to do that. Um, but it's like, this is biblical. This is what Jesus is trying to teach us, that we have to look at each other and look at yourself and, 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 and present yourself to be changed, not come to people as better than them or perfect. Right. So I, I think of so many artists that you think, man, look at what this person is. Doing. Jesus had to touch them. The yes. Holy Spirit had to move them. They might not be in church, but you know. I was just saying this earlier today, when you think of, um, oh, his name just slipped my mind. Uh, it, cause I could, I'll never forget this. I was in the military and I was in the club, wasn't supposed to be, but I was in the club and, uh, Kirk Franklin stomp came on and it was like, you're in there and you're jamming, you're doing your thing. And I was like, wait, wait, what? I was just like, is it? And I stopped. It made me stop dead in my chair. I was like, is this a church show? And I hadn't, you know, and I was just like, oh my. And it made me take pause. But then I was just like, why can't I celebrate? while I'm celebrating, you know, mm -hmm. and it spawned conversation. And it also encouraged me to listen to other music outside of the genres that I was already listening to. And oh, I yeah, that yeah. it infiltrate it. You know what I mean? So that's so important. And, you know, my son used to listen to uh, take six, like yes. constantly. Mm -hmm. Now I love every one of them, but yes. it was like, come on now. And at one point I said to him, no more take six music. And the reason I did is because I saw him becoming an artist and I didn't want him to focus or mimic take six. Take six is take six. And they're astounding. They're incredible. They're even today. Yeah. yeah. But my son had a God-given gift too. And I wanted him to develop his own thing. And so though he didn't like it at first, it was like he saw what I was doing because then he started writing some of the most incredible music. Wow. And it was because he was able to 
look inside of who he was. Mm -hmm. And so you enjoy the music of other people. Right. You enjoy the writings, but then you find out what what's in here, what's in you, you know, because, you know, we all are born. And if Jesus doesn't come, we all die. Somebody's got to come behind us. For sure. For sure. You know, well, I would like to bring it back to no more Monday morning blues. You said something that really resonated to me about suicides that happen on Mondays. Mm. never heard that before and I'm like sitting here like wow and I want our viewers and our listeners to know how they can get a copy of your book and I understand this is the first in a series of five correct yes yes Yes. so um I if you this is your opportunity to tell people how to find your book how to find your music and um really how to connect with you because of all this writing that you're doing, there's plenty of blogs out there and I want them to come to yours. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Thank you. First of all, um, my website is www.noaletleader.com. My book, and I'm going to bring this up. I thought I sent it to you, but I'm going to bring it up. Okay. You can get it on Amazon Kindle. Yes. And there's a, and it's not a hardcover yet, okay. uh, you know, so you can get it on Amazon Kim, Kindle and also, and my phone's coming on, I turned it off because I didn't want it to start ringing. <laughs> and, um, but www.nolotleader.com is my blog. Okay. And then the book can be found there. And my music is also on my website and my blog. And, um, let me just open this up real quick. Okay, and the link to the book okay. is uh, payhip.com. Well, I guess, you know, we all the old people are going to say HTTPS slash slash. <laughs> payhip.com but if you just go to payhip.com we'll be able to find it you'll you'll be <laughs> and I'll make sure that I have links I I'm definitely about the promotion and I'll make sure that everyone has not only links to your website but also to the book and also to your music everything yeah yeah yes. yeah 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 um it's it's really something that I'm hoping that's going to grow and like I said, of course, it's about making money. Yes, of course. But it's not about getting rich. It's about, you know, you, when you do your craft, you sell it, whatever, you have to live. And I'm excited about the prospect of reaching people, mm. of doing interviews, and when we come out of this pandemic, because we are yes, we will. of traveling and, and doing, you know, having book reviews and signing autographs, not for the sake of autographs, but for the sake of meeting the people. When I met Maya Angelou, she took time with every person that was in that line. Mm-hmm. I mean, she took time to make them feel that they mattered. True connection. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. I, I think that if I had to learn from her, it, I learned from the best of the best, you know, just watching her. I've never had really outside of that time, the opportunity to really meet her, but she impacted my life. Mm. She really did. And so I'm hoping that people will buy it. They'll be blessed by it. They'll buy it for others. I know that, um, my uh, my CD just to say thank you is yes. still on sale. Yeah, and and I have people who <laughs> who still buy it, and it's exciting. And they buy multiple copies, and that's only God. I I've had many people buy thirteen copies, twenty five copies. Wow. You know, and I'm like, mm, don't do that. <laughs> no, of course but we want to encourage but, that. We want, but them they to. do listen. I've done it myself to other artists. So I get it. You know, nice. I get it. I remember skipping school just to go buy Roberta Flack stuff. So, okay. <laughs> I wouldn't advise that, but I did it. Right. And, right. You know. So yeah, the book is there. And if you can share all that information, I will certainly I, do that. yeah, I would most appreciate it. Consider really. that done. I want to also give you this opportunity to acknowledge anybody that you want to have let them know you're here. You are talking about all the things that inspire you and the, uh, your book, your music. But obviously, we, 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 we mentioned this earlier, it was that our children inspire us, but there's also several people in our lives that inspire us. So I want to give you the platform right now to acknowledge anybody. Listen, to. listen, I'm going to tell you, this is interesting. And I'm glad you said that because when I was coming up, it was my mother, my dad, and I, and my sister, Teresa, who just died a few months ago from COVID. I'm so sorry, and we moved to Boston, like I told you, after she died. Mm -hmm. I was very much involved in the church. And I wasn't aware that I had siblings until further down the line. Other, mm -hmm. you know, of my, my father's children after right. my mom died. I got closer to my siblings when, as a woman, and maybe five years ago when my father died. When I tell you they are the most incredible people that I've ever known, they're awesome, my siblings. I love that. But before that, God gave me some incredible friends. Stephanie Galloway helped me get to Oakwood. And then she built me up. She made people think a star was coming. <laughs> you know, really, really. I Lorraine, love it. your aunt Lorraine. Yes. My girl Beverly Ward. Mm -hmm. Janice Willis. Oh my God. Yes. Sharon Spears, Sharon Clough, and my twins, Denise and Deborah. I could go on. I know people say me. I have an abundance, and I'm talking about real friends. I have a girlfriend, Flansy Thomas, who lives here, who's like an angel, Cynthia Hammond. My, my buddy, Gail Newton-Taylor, traveled with me around the country, playing and accompanying me, and really encouraging me to do music that I didn't think I could do. And she said, do it. You know, mm -hmm. I have a friend, Hermel Johnson. She's like my travel buddy. 
And she's a person, you talk about talent. She's one of these people that's behind the scenes, but she's the kind of friend that people like me need. Gotcha. You know, she'll travel with you. She'll do what needs to be done. The things that you forget. She'll even tell you, go speak to that person. Go speak to that one. You know, I have a friend in my life, Elaine Starks. Listen, when I was going through a real dark time through my divorce and I cried a lot, I could call on Elaine and I promise you, my children would know when Elaine was on the phone because I would be laughing through my tears. <laughs> you got to have a good girlfriend like that. I have Listen, one. She's here with me listen, now. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm telling you, yes. I, I feel so very, very blessed. And I have new friends that are coming into my to my life. I just met like the baddest singer out. Her name is Lisa Vaughn. Oh my God. She's okay. amazing. She's okay. amazing. And, and Nadine Timpson, Nadine Kelly Timpson. I mean, and these are just the female friends, but I have a friend. I, I believe that, you know, Jerry Warren. Yes. And Jerry was my California. He was my California. He heard that I was here and called me and acted as if it was Aretha Franklin who had come to town. I love it. No, I'm not even kidding. I love it. When I think of that, and I, I can't even go off of this show without mentioning, and I have a lot of good friends, and I hope that you all don't don't think I just, I just named a few, but Eleanor Wright is one of the most prolific arrangers, composers that God ever put on this earth. And I started doing my music for real, for real, when I went to Oakwood College and I heard her her nieces heard me sing and they said, you have got to meet Aunt Eleanor. And I was like, who in the world is Aunt Eleanor? Ain't nobody want to meet your aunts. <laughs> <laughs> they said, oh, she sings, she sings. I said, okay, let me hear her. And I heard her music. And I have to tell you, I, I was changed. This woman wrote music that if you could, it was like a prophet from God. I'm not even kidding. Her music, it went past time and space. It was deep, it was rich, it was honest, it was truthful. And I said to her, I, when she heard me, I hadn't heard her sing this particular song of hers. And I said, I said on the stage, I said, and there were hundreds of people there. And I said, it was a tribute to her. And I said, listen, I have never heard you sing this song. I don't even know if I'm singing it right, <laughs> but I want to sing it the way I was moved to sing it. Mm. And so I hope you're blessed by it. And I sang that song and I'm hearing people clapping. And then there's a note in the song that I hold for a long time. And I was holding that note and I could hear people really roaring and clapping and blah, blah, blah. But I felt a weight on my body and my eyes were closed and I was holding this note. And I opened my eyes and it was Eleanor holding me in her arms, 
mm. crying. Thank me. She said, never heard this particular song that she wrote sung like I sang it. Wow. And from that day, she took me in her life. And I learned so much from mm. her. For sure. I learned so much from her. And Truly. I have to give her, I'm telling you, that woman, she's going to be singing the song that opens the gates of heaven for us all to go in. Wow. Eleanor Wright. Absolutely. I love that. Well, I think that's the perfect way to lead into us closing and um, beginning Sabbath. But Miss Nola, I cannot thank you enough for gracing my platform and bringing so much richness and um, just being transparent. I, I, I say that a lot, but it takes a lot to come onto someone's platform and share of yourself to complete strangers. But when you're doing it and you're knowing that you're giving of yourself to lend not only direction, but inspiration and also talk about what we believe in. And um, that's big. That's that's very huge. And I thank can't you. thank, thank you, you enough for coming on. I really thank can. you so much. Thank, thank you so you. much. I've enjoyed it. It's been a blessing. Thank you. Well, and I, I look always, forward to meeting you in person. Oh, that's a given. That's definitely you gotta go out with the divas one day. I gotta go out with the divas, and I'm gonna have to come and rock one of these hats that you have. Because let me tell you, you are wearing that hat. Let me <laughs> thank tell you. you. <laughs> that is for sure. Thank well, you so much. Thank you. And I always end with saying, you know, it's really important for us to tap into each other and make sure that we're checking on even our strong friends. It's really important. And, um, you know, we realize that on Mondays can be kind of detrimental for some. So with that being said, definitely continue to check on each other. But more importantly, make sure that you're checking in with yourself and take care of yourself. And I hope that you have a wonderful, wonderful Sabbath and definitely have an experiential weekend. Thank, Thank you. You, you so too, sweetheart. Much. Thank you. Blessings on you. Blessings. Thank you for joining All About the Experiences. Be sure to tune in weekly. Please subscribe, like, and provide feedback. Additional information can be found via the website at allabouttheexperiences.com. And follow on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, and YouTube by name. All About the Experiences. Remember, the only limits that exist are the ones in your mind.